0: Hi, this is Jeremy Gritton, art director and story lead for Ori and the Will of the Wisps, and you're listening to the Xbox Expansion Pass. <laughs> Welcome, one, welcome all to episode 51 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on Sunday, September 27th, 2020. I am your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. In this episode, we take a look at the industry shaking news that Microsoft has purchased Bethesda in order to bolster its Xbox game studios from 15 internal studios to an impressive 23. Since then, there have been no shortage of conversations as to what will happen with the future of Bethesda's exclusivity, and all this came on the eve of the Xbox Series S and X pre-orders going live to a mostly successful debut. Enjoy. Yet another week of gaming is upon us and behind us. Welcome to XCP, discussing all things in the gamerverse as they pertain to the Xbox ecosystem. And as I am want to do each and every week, I want to say a quick word of thanks and kindness to two people who made my gaming week better. And this word of thanks goes to the hosts of the Backlog Chronicles podcast, Mo and Mike. They were kind enough to have me on to discuss the bevy of news revolving around the Bethesda acquisition by Microsoft. I really enjoyed hanging out with you guys and chatting games with you, so I appreciate your time. And I look forward to joining you guys again soon. In what could be the biggest news in Xbox gaming history, Microsoft has purchased ZeniMax and inherited Bethesda Softworks, Bethesda Game Studios, and all of the other studios therein. What a week it has been. Goodness gracious. On the eve Of Xbox Series S and X pre-orders going live. Uh, Phones and social media posts went ablaze with news that Microsoft had indeed purchased Bethesda. And massive amounts of speculation ran rampant throughout the interwebs discussing just what that meant. uh, In any and all perspectives from your competitors, from those who are uh, involved in Xbox Game Studios' current, future, and past, what does this mean? Uh, Without a doubt... This, to me, was the biggest gaming news that I've ever witnessed live and happening. And, uh, wow, the ramifications certainly seem to uh, be far-reaching, to say the very least. Much of it, I doubt we know the, even know the extent of at this point. But let's talk about what we do know. Xbox now owns the eight creative studios within ZeniMax. And this includes Bethesda Softworks, Bethesda Game Studios, id Software, ZeniMax Online, arcane machine games tango gameworks alpha dog and roundhouse studios now you should be familiar with most of those and if you're not that's absolutely fine these these studios worked on games like the elder scrolls fallout wolfenstein doom dishonored prey quake and the upcoming and much excited about starfield uh to say the least and there's more within that What A power move here. The effort certainly seems designed in order to bring more internal studios creating content for the subscription services like Xbox Game Pass, like xCloud, and of course to bolster excitement for the Series S and X and any future consoles that may come. It is, is again, the biggest news that I have seen in the gaming-verse. Uh, bar none in my lifetime. And it's 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 impressive, to say the least. 2,300 employees are going to be entering into the realm of Xbox. Lots of questions as to how many of them will be uh, shifted, moved around in order to adjust for the resources that Microsoft, they themselves, bring to the table. And uh, it was a wonderful conversation to see Pete Hines, Todd Howard, uh, Major Nelson, and Phil Spencer have on Major Nelson's podcast this past week in where they talked about... Uh, What they did and did not want with this merger, with this partnership, uh, it certainly seems that Microsoft wants to give Bethesda a wide berth and allow them to continue to function as they would see fit with their own internal management systems. Uh, You'd have to imagine that Todd Howard and Pete Hines certainly do know what they are doing. uh, But with the new resources at hand from Microsoft's funding and whatever else uh, network-wise or QA purposes, what that might do for future Bethesda software uh, Bethesda software is really exciting to think about. I think, to say the very least, it is an interesting thing to see the way that people are reacting to this news, uh, and then to compare what the what the reaction might have been had it been Sony or Activision or EA or Ubisoft that had acquired, had been acquired, or been doing the acquiring. It is a fascinating bit of conversation, a lot of debates as to what's going to happen with uh, technology sharing between studios. What does the word exclusive mean for Xbox seems to be a consistent conversation uh, therein. But I think the general consensus right now is that Microsoft will be treating Bethesda well We've seen in the way they've treated In Exile and Obsidian uh, and Double Fine and so many of the other studios they've brought in that they've been allowing those studios to create what they want to create. I'm thinking about Ninja Theory and their incredible work on Hellblade and then working to make Hellblade 2, but in the meantime working on things like Project Mara and even Bleeding Edge, which uh, if I'm being frank, I never would have greenlit myself, but allowing those developers to be creative and make what they want to make is a wonderful boon towards positive morale within a company, and this company is now absolutely huge. I mean, they were already a behemoth, and I'm speaking of Microsoft in this case. Uh, Worldwide, a software company that does many things far outside the world of gaming, and this was an absolute power move. Spending $7.5 billion, Microsoft brought ZeniMax in. And this is an interesting bit of comparison in that I believe the latest data I saw was that Sony made about $8 billion last year with PlayStation, or, or overall. Either way, it is an expensive buy, certainly more than Disney spent on Star Wars, and certainly more than, uh, I believe, when Sony purchased Insomniac, they spent something around $230 million to do so. And that seems like an absolute steal next to this. But so many conversations as to how this will play out, what this does to the future of Game Pass, what this does to the future of exclusives. Now, one of the interesting bits of note that's come out of this as well is that Microsoft will be honoring the PlayStation 5 exclusivity windows for games like Tokyo Ghostwire and uh, Deathloop which are timed exclusives over on the PlayStation side that they had signed deals with to get from Bethesda. And now Microsoft, of course, owns them. So it's an interesting uh, accidental narrative. And the monies do not work this way, but it's fascinating to see that now Sony is, quite by accident, uh, essentially paying for a timed exclusivity window They're paying Microsoft to have it, Uh, which, again, not a direct one-to-one. It's just kind of a fun chuckle point to have uh, in the world of social media as we look at gaming. But uh, I love seeing the mindset that seems to be coming. Todd Howard and Pete Hines seem to be very at ease with this given the, I would imagine, the very overwhelming possibilities and and bevy of emotions that could come from being acquired by such a mega corporation uh, in this particular case. They seemed fairly at ease that they would be allowed to continue doing what they want to do. And mind you, Bethesda's been having their own E3 conference for years running at this point, uh, confident in what they're bringing to the table. Was $7.5 billion the right amount of money? I have absolutely no idea. If you look at the more recent hits uh, or the more recent games that have come out of ZeniMax, uh, Dishonored certainly was a critical darling but didn't sell overly well, more of a cult following to say the least. Uh, Prey did not seem to light the world on fire. Doom and Doom Eternal certainly did. Wolfenstein had a wonderful return to form with Machine Games working on them, Uh, but Wolfenstein 2 and more recently Wolfenstein Youngblood did not seem to do all that much course there is the much talked about Fallout 4 and Fallout 76 which did not really elevate the bar in any tangible way for that franchise and so in many ways this might have been the perfect time to acquire Zenimax to acquire Bethesda and to bolster those IP because you're getting them at a discounted rate had they been at the premium best of the best at the time perhaps it wouldn't have been a deal that could be done but now we see 23 internal studios for Microsoft and lots of you wrote in questions of all kinds here. Let's get to a few of them right away so we can address them as we go. Mr. Boomstick XL wrote in this week. By the way, Mr. Boomstick, happy 50th birthday, dude. Congratulations on creating a great uh, YouTube channel and celebrating Xbox out there with an incredible community. Um, You wrote in and said, here's a great question. What are the long and short-term effects for ZeniMax Online, Bethesda, and Xbox? Well, in the short term, this is a huge morale and bolster for the mind share of Xbox, particularly happening on the day before Series S and X pre-orders, where they were always destined to be sold out. But now every article written about them selling out includes the fact that that, that Microsoft has purchased Bethesda. It is a wonderful bit of mindshare, and it's an investment in the future. Early on right now, we are trading on a currency of hope and of expectations, something that Sony themselves does a very good job of when they showcase games like The Last of Us, uh, multiple E3s in a row, or they show, you know, Ghost of Tsushima, multiple E3s in a row, and you know you're getting another God of War. You know you're getting another Horizon. This allows Microsoft to do the same thing with franchises that are perhaps not in the same level of mindshare, like Halo and Gears and Forza, which Microsoft really rode into the ground, whether it was effective or not. Uh, people are tired of hearing that when it comes to Microsoft. And now the potential for a new Fallout running on a new engine with, with uh, you know the idea that it could have worked with the sl- Slipspace engine or if they're going to continue working on idTech or what's going to happen with any of these franchises is a currency of hope that is happening in the short term where people are invested in, and maybe making decisions where, hey, I wanted a Series S. Ooh, now they've got this. Maybe I want the Series X. Or maybe they're saying to themselves, man, I always liked some of those games, or or I was interested in some, I was definitely in the PS5 camp, now I'm also considering an Xbox. I doubt this is the type of thing in the short term where someone says, no longer PlayStation, going to Xbox, no longer this, going to that. But I certainly think it adds currency and weight to the idea that you need an Xbox going forward to get the best in gaming and the best variety in gaming. Certainly the best RPGs in gaming, Mr. Boomstick, because right now... You've got Obsidian, you've got Exile, you've got the makers of Fallout all working to make games for you, alongside the things that we already know that are happening with Avowed and with Fable and with Everwild. I mean, man, if you like RPGs, Xbox is now the place to be bar none. I can think of CD Projekt Red and no other outside of Xbox Game Studios studios making the best RPGs around that dominate critically and commercially so certainly in the short term there's a lot to have there Uh, another thing that is interesting here is what they have effectively done is nullify the argument that xbox has no games now mind you that narrative was born because and spawn rather because of the criticism they were able to endure for having multiplayer-centric games to balance their subscription services, xCloud and Game Pass, uh, to say the very least. Now, when you've brought in these... Largely single-player campaigns to offset things like Halo, to offset things like Gears, to offset Sea of Thieves and Minecraft. You're now bringing in Fallout and Wolfenstein and Doom and Dishonored. And these are single-player narrative-driven games that completely negate any argument that Microsoft only makes one kind of game. And that is a very powerful motivator as well for purchasing. I think a lot of consumers are going to, to notice and accept that going forward. This move gives them AAA might to swing and to swing about. A lot was made of the fact that Spider-Man was an exclusive character that Sony could, could wield as they pleased within their own AAA universe, and then, of course, they could negotiate and maneuver within third-party narratives. I'm thinking about Avengers right now. This could not have been countered very well by Microsoft because they lacked an IP on that particular level. Now conversations of, well, will Microsoft let Bethesda games be on PlayStation, be on PC, be on Switch? What will they do with exclusivity? And the fact that there's even a question means that Microsoft has a negotiating power that they can use in an extremely suave and and wise business sense here. They could absolutely keep Starfield and the next Fallout and the next Dooms all exclusive to their platforms, Xbox Game Pass, whether that's a PC, whether that's your console, but Xbox Game Pass games. And I'm sure in many cases they will do that, and in other cases they might look at it and adjust accordingly. Phil Spencer said in several interviews that they would be approaching this on a case-by-case basis, which is absolutely the right thing to say. As a businessman, you don't go on CNET, and you don't go on the, the biggest investor watch services, and say we're going to deny x amount of customers you don't do that you keep your windows and your doors open keep your options open so that you can approach a negotiating table in a position of power whether or not you see all of bethesda's future games exclusive or not isn't the question what you should be asking yourself is what does this mean for nullifying or negotiating things that might have been exclusive prior to does a deal with does sony really want the next fallout game or the next doom game does Stadia really want to see Wolfenstein 3 on their platform? What do they bring to the table? And if it's cost effective, Microsoft is going to do it. They have to make up 7.5 billion dollars somehow, and certainly they'll do so through subscription services, DLC, and the selling of games. I've debated a lot as to what I like to do in that particular case, do you want to put out your games for free day and date into Game Pass so that your audience is rewarded for that and then force customers and other ecosystems to spend that $70 that a next-gen game costs? Or do you uh, want to avoid that and simply say, no, if you want to play this, you need to have an Xbox uh, Game Pass subscription? I don't know what the right answer is. I do know that I enjoy it. I do know that I enjoy seeing it happen. If this has been Activision... Uh, I would have been appalled at what would have happened. EA, I would have been appalled. Ubisoft been very worried. I don't think we'd even have this type of conversation if PlayStation had purchased Bethesda. But now, immediately, without a doubt, Microsoft is a gatekeeper to an incredible amount of high-quality content and an even higher amount of potential quality content. The potential workings between the talented studios within Microsoft prior and now – are, are incredible to think about. And we'll get to some of those ideas in a moment. But uh, that's where my mind goes, Mr. Boomstick. That's where my mind thinks. The, the argument of Xbox has no games has been immediately negated. The Xbox has only one type of game, the multiplayer-centric game, negated. Now, they bring quite a bit to the table, uh, particularly in the Western RPG sense, and they're not going to be beaten in that particular method. Now, as I often say, Gamers have short memories, and proof is in the pudding. Until Xbox Game Studios, any of the 23, put out a God of War caliber hit, that mindshare will not quite swing fully. That pendulum will not fully go over. That's just how it is when it comes to a consumer market. It doesn't matter that Sea of Thieves generates incredible numbers of players and revenue. Minecraft, incredible numbers of players and revenue. That Grounded is off to an incredible start over on the PC side. That Flight Simulator is doing that. Those are are apples and oranges comparisons, but when it comes to brass tacks, they're making money for the parent company, and that's what the parent company cares about. A matter of selling the consumer, what do you want to get? PlayStation 5 or Xbox Series SX going forward? We won't see the real impact of this until six months out, because in all likelihood, every shipment of both companies' power consoles was going to sell out anyway. In the first six months, it's in the aftermath that we see that. And I cannot think of a better maneuver after losing Halo Infinite. I can't think of a better time to go to Plan B, pull that trump card out, throw it down on the table, and say, This is what we got, and have Bethesda out there on the eve of your Series S and X pre orders to generate that excitement. Uh, what a move here. What a move. And now, again, lots of questions. Famous Seamus said, Do you think the next games in the Fallout, Elder Scrolls, Wolfenstein, etc. will be console exclusives? No. I think a lot of those single players will. I think the multiplayer ones, uh, they will play by ear and see what kind of revenue can be generated in their subscription models, how their money is being made at the time. But they've got a negotiation card. Uh, your quest- Your second question was that you noticed Dishonored Two was set to leave Game Pass, and at the end of the month, but Bethesda said after its announcement that it would no longer have uh, Dishonored Two leaving Game Pass at all. Do you think we'll see past Bethesda games that have left Game Pass come back, like Doom 2016 or Prey? Will these games be exclusive? This is not a question we would ask if PlayStation had bought this. And you're citing Ori, Cuphead, Minecraft. Okay, gotcha. The let's let's go with the first stuff. Will we see older Bethesda games going to Game Pass? Yes, absolutely. Without a doubt, Doom 2016, Doom Eternal uh, are going to be entering back in there. We know Doom Eternal will be live in the service on October 1st. I reviewed that many XEPs ago earlier, uh, back in March. Great game. Very difficult, I thought, but a really great game. Cannot wait to see what they do with that. Will Master Chief's armor show up in Doom or vice versa? The answer is absolutely. It certainly will. There's a lot of excitement there. But yes, you're going to see the whole Bethesda catalog end up in game pass uh, barring any weird licensing things similar to like a forza horizon but i don't i really don't see that happening with anything of note Uh, this is about xbox building legacy and they want every single unique ip in that service an interesting question will be to see do any of these games make it into playstation now or get pulled from because i'm unfamiliar with which are in playstation now at the moment or in other subscription services stadia and etc will they get pulled or, or removed later on Microsoft does not have a track record of denying players from previous uh, negotiations and previous agreements, so I doubt you see anything get removed or taken away, but future sales, future content, that is a bit up in the air. I also think uh, that when you're talking about those exclusives, and when you ask that question, Famous Shavis and several of you, again, who, who asked this, Microsoft is about making money and they're a software company with distribution. However... They are very, very wise when it comes to looking at who their opponents and who their competitors truly are. With Amazon announcing Luna this past week, this is why Game Pass existed, to prepare and combat Luna. To compare, compare uh, prepare and combat uh, Stadia, which may have had a bad launch and may not be doing well, but that tech is interesting and worthwhile, and that is the future. And if I were Microsoft, I'd be questioning whether or not Apple buys up Sony to sell PlayStation games via that delivery system, whether Stadia buys up or Alphabet rather buys PlayStation to deliver things via Stadia. So they're preparing to combat that kind of thing. I do think you'll continue to see quite a few games end up over on the Switch or on Nintendo's platforms because it's quite obvious that that Microsoft does not. Uh, Deem Nintendo as primary competition, and I think that's a wise choice as well. I fully expect that uh, down the line, five to ten years from now, you see Game Pass on a Nintendo uh, handheld. I don't think that's a doubt in any way, shape, or form in my mind. So we'll see, we'll see about that. As for the what ifs, the sharings of technology, man, I will tell you what, guys, I think about a machine games creating and working on a new odst title can you imagine that wolfenstein style visceral gunplay in the world of halo playing as an odst underpowered against large brutes and elites and spartans running around you and watching that world play out to me that is the most exciting thing that now you're allowing potentially other studios to play in your established universes what would the coalition do with the fallout title if you had the Fallout universe and you, you created something in the Gears of War style, or vice versa, even more exciting, if you're in a Fallout-style landscape and you're playing a Gears of War title where you're a lone person in a wasteland with locusts and uh, different types of swarm popping up to, to battle you, that is, to me, a very exciting idea. Uh, the the fun question of, will we see an Xbox version of Smash come out there? Man, absolutely that needs to happen you've got the makers of killer instinct get an engine out there running something where i'm bj blaskowitz and i've got to uh, fend off marcus phoenix with his chainsaw where doom guy battles with master chief where you see ori and the battle toads combat some of the weird spells that come from i don't know something the dragonborn might cast what a cool idea i want to see them play and have fun with this I want to see tracks from Bethesda games in a Forza game, similar to the way we saw the Halo stuff uh, happen in Forza Horizon Four. That's the joy of this: is that with twenty-three studios, you now have a cast of characters that are iconic. There, there's no way around the Dragonborn being iconic, Doom Guy being iconic, Master Chief being iconic those exist now and you've got a lot of of worlds to play in not to mention within all those 23 studios many of them have smaller teams give me the battletoads to, to work through and fill out game pass give me the next doom to fill out game pass give me a big hit per quarter and then smaller games throughout the year what more could you ask for i mean what more is going to happen there i oh goodness i don't know i know malik wrote in and he asked what are two studio acquisition acquisitions uh, that Xbox could have ready to announce at some point soon. And, of course, he's alluding to the fact that Satya Nadella said on several websites that they're not done. Microsoft is not done acquiring studios. Now, whether or not these are the business, where, the businessman's words, where he's trying to be wise and, and keep his options open, that is beyond me. I do not know. I know they've been in talks with several smaller studios uh, for for possible acquisitions i think their big loss was in not getting marketing deals and they need to work on that 23 studios is enough i think they want to be capped off at a nice round 30 Uh, but get some smaller studios in there moon studios has gone uh, over to private division and that's a a bummer because it would have been nice to have the ori uh, creators working for you but there's a lot of talented people out there i don't know who or what it could be malik i really thought about that a lot I do not know who or what it could be. Uh, And then you asked a second question. Do I think 343 and the Coalition will form two teams to make different IPs at one point? Yes, I think the Coalition is already working on something that's not Gears of War, as is 343, uh, looking towards making something that's not Halo, but all eyes in the 343 camp are on Halo Infinite. Lots of questions being written in, and let's get to... Uh, a different topic we'll move away from, Bethesda. Let's move into the pre-orders in a moment. This is Sissy Jones, the voice of Fury in Darksiders 3. Be a dear, won't you? And listen to the Xbox Expansion Pass. You don't want to be on the receiving end of my whip. <laughs> now Go. Plenty more discussions still to be had about Bethesda and Microsoft going forward. But for now, we're going to move away from that and look at what that proved to be the catalyst for. The excitement of announcing the Xbox Series S and X pre-orders had gone live. That happened this past week. Gamers flocked to their internet resources throughout the world. Hit that pre-order button on 48 different websites at a time to see if they could be one of the lucky few to secure an Xbox Series S or X. Uh, The rollout is being compared to the PlayStation 5, obviously, given that it's a competitor's product, and that happened last week. And I would argue, and I think the general consensus is, the pre-order process for the Xbox S and X went better than the PlayStation 5, but was by no means smooth. The PS5, of course, launched early. Retailers broke their own embargo times and really caused a lot of havoc that Sony was was not, I don't think, was their fault. Microsoft had strict rules about who could do such a thing who could launch at certain times they kept it very isolated for time zones throughout the world going eight at live at 8 a.m pacific in the united states and canada and uh, gamers man they they flooded it sold out sold out sold out sold out everywhere you went lots of websites went down amazon crashed target froze up best buy locked up at one point microsoft's own website locked up and it was an, an absolute mess in some respects but uh let me know if you were able to secure one. I'm very curious how many of the listeners for XCP were able to get an S or get an X. Uh, it took two hours, but I was able to secure an Xbox Series X via Best Buy. I was very frustrated to not get it through Microsoft themselves. And the web kept crashing on me and telling me that North Carolina was not a United States was not within the United States, which was odd in and of itself. But uh, that wave one has been filled out, and it was an exciting time. A lot of a lot of hype, born of the Bethesda hype, born of uh, so many of the conversations of what Game Pass is bringing. Of course, XCloud going live the week prior as well. It was it was a full time man, and with that pre-order bit, we saw quite a uh, the ex- quite a few of the accessories going live, which spawned their own set of conspiracy theories. The memory expansion ports, those little memory cards that look really cool. If we're being honest, those form the form factor on those looks super dope. Uh, they were shown off. They went live for pre-order as well at the very expensive rate of $220. Now, these memory cards are SSDs that you essentially plug into the back of your system. They run on that same velocity architecture. Uh, You can plug it into your Series S or X. It will work exactly the same. And the idea is that you can load uh, more, more games onto that terabyte memory card, and it will run and load faster as if it was on an internal SSD. It's a lot of tech talk and frankly, I'm not the right person to be bringing you that kind of news. I do think it was really wild to see that even with the advanced technology that is existing within that one terabyte card and the velocity architecture and the speed loading, $220 is too much for a console market. I had a ton of people... Tweeting at me from the PC space, saying, "Oh, this is very normal. This is very, uh, this is very in line with a lot of the memory costs over on the PC side, and that's fantastic." But I don't care because I'm buying a console, and I don't want to be bound by that PC space. And so I don't think uh, you're going to see a whole lot of hype outside of that first, you know, six months for those memory cards if they remain at two hundred and twenty dollars. I mean, that is, that is two thirds the cost of an Xbox Series S, and to me, that's too much. I do not want to see them run into a Vita style problem where if you remember the proprietary memory cards on the PlayStation Vita really killed the excitement for that system because it was just an expensive buy-in. I mean, if you were to buy a Series S uh, with a memory card port expansion, you're looking at Series X costs and higher. And that scares me a little bit. I would have liked to see this sub 200, maybe 180, and I'd have been down, I'd have been in there. Uh, Something about 220 just feels abnormally high to me. Uh, Bear in mind, you may not need an extra terabyte within your, your system because of the way they're loading things, the, the way they're uh, putting in different aspects of cloud gaming. Of course, if you're using a Series S, you don't need the higher texture packs, which take up a lot of memory as well. And if you've got a lot of Xbox, Xbox 360 and Xbox One games on your current hard external hard drive right now, that will work right away on your Xbox Series X and S. It simply won't have that incredible uh, velocity-led Loading time, you know, and that's the kind of the big thing for me is if I'm buying the next gen console, I want to have the best experience possible. And that includes improved load times for games that I love like Sea of Thieves. Do I need to worry about that with an Xbox 360 game? Nah, probably not. It's still going to get the visual boost for being on a Series S or X. uh, But when it comes to that, that memory stuff right there, I, I hesitate because 220 bucks is it's just too much for the console space. Perfect and great for the PC community. I don't think it's a wise move to keep it that high for very long. Of course, early adopters will always buy in at a higher cost, and you have to imagine that the volume will help make up the difference, and they can get that cost down there within a year or two. I don't know if that'll be the case. I hope it's the case. Uh, who knows there, but... Bottom line: If you're going to be buying an Xbox Series X on day one, you probably don't need, you probably don't need uh, that memory card right away. It's just we all want the new shiny thing, and it kind of looks like that that memory chip that Master Chief puts in the back of his helmet. So maybe I'll get a cool version of that. Maybe you know if that if they have a $220 version that looks like the Cortana memory chip, maybe I'm in on buying that one. I don't know. Uh, come launch day, though, I wanted to take a moment. Come launch day, look at what you might need that memory card for. I want to look at the Confirmed launch games and launch window games for the Xbox Series SX uh, going forward. You got Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Must buy, in my opinion, right now. I'm very excited about that. Bright Memory, which is the Bright Memory Infinite uh, game that looks really cool. You got Dirt 5, Devil May Cry 5 Special Edition, FIFA 21, Fortnite, Gears 5 will have a Series X upgrade. I don't know if you can count that one. Gears Tactics, Marvel's Avengers is going to be available, and that's kind of a back and pat thing. I'm not sure why it's on this list. NBA, Observer Redux, uh, Samurai Spirits, Tetris Effect Connected, Falconeer, Watch Dogs Lesions will have an upgrade. Yakuza will have an upgrade. Uh, Accuser like a dragon, I should say, will have an upgrade, and then of course you've got tons of stuff for launch window like Crossfire X, Control Ultimate Edition, the new Call of Duty, Call of the Sea, 12 minutes. I mean, it, the list goes on. There's a lot to have. You could certainly fill up your one terabyte quickly. The question is, are you gonna do, are you gonna be one of those people that buys the game? And doesn't have it on your, your internal memory. Will you put it on an external hard drive and just wait and then load it in right away? Uh, are you going to buy everything up right o- right away and you need that memory card? I, I just have so many mixed thoughts on that cost and what it does. But without a doubt, even lacking Halo, I am excited. I'm excited to play Outriders. I'm excited to play Cyberpunk. I'm excited to play uh, a fixed and improved version of Gears Tactics and Gears 5. I mean, Valhalla looks so cool. There's a lot to be excited about, for sure. I'm just I'm wondering how this will go. Uh, if the memory becomes a necessity, are they going to be able to get that price down? I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Let's get to those last questions that we weren't able to touch on earlier in the show. Todd Oxtra writing in this morning saying... The Zenimax acquisition has me intrigued, but ultimately I hope to see this freedom for these developers that they have been waiting for. I'd love to see some of these developers, developers branch out with new IP and potentially play with Xbox IP as well. What would you like to see from these devs? Well, Todd, I mentioned a few of the what if scenarios that I'd love to see again. I really stress that ODST made by machine games would be really cool. I'd love to see uh, a few crossovers here and there. Uh, Working with each other's IP is not going to happen as much as I think we would think it will uh, from the Bethesda side. I can't imagine they would let you know Obsidian work in the Fallout universe right away or, or let uh, any kind of crossover coalition working with Fallout right away. But I do think it could work the other way around where Xbox says, hey, we've got this Conquer IP just sitting here. We've got this IP, you know, Jade Empire just sitting here. We've got uh, this IP just sitting around waiting. Do you guys want to take a stab at it? I think that will happen. Uh, I also think we'll see Bethesda work very hard to take advantage of Microsoft's resources. I think there is no – it's not even funny. I think a lot of people did it tongue-in-cheek, but they often said that bugs are a feature with Bethesda games. Nah, knock that mess off. If you've got all of Microsoft's resources at hand, get that QA division up running full on um, as, as much as you possibly can. Squash bugs. You want smooth launches for these games because they are now all showcase pieces for your platform. Uh, particularly if they are single-player driven. I, w- I would really hope to see uh, both companies take advantage of that and really work to eliminate stuff like bugs, which seems so silly, but when it comes to Bethesda, that's the first thing I think of outside of Doom and Fallout is bugs. So I would love to see the QA divisions be taken advantage of there. And when it comes to new IP, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Allow creativity. Allow excitement. Make the games you want to make. That seems to be Microsoft's mantra there. I want to see that continue. Edward Varnell wrote in with what I would argue is a rather contentious question here. He says, Will there be Western RPG versus JRPG on the Xbox? uh, And will JRPGs come out on top if ZeniMax cannot deliver? No, not even close. Not even a little bit, Edward Barnell. Western RPGs are king over on the Xbox. All of those IP lend themselves to established Western IP, and JRPGs do not typically do well over on the the xbox side for better or worse now we've seen the conversation shift a little bit this past week with the tokyo game show microsoft making concerted efforts to enter the asian market but i don't think it's going to be by way of japan and the jrpg will not reign king right away they're entering in via india and specifically south korea and they'll be approaching those markets that way with xcloud when it comes to to the jrpgs I think Sony just has that on lock. Unless they're able to deliver something like purchasing Atlas, which I think is a really big pipe, pipe dream, as many of the Sonic conspiracies we saw with that gorgeous Shock Blue controller, which I totally pre-ordered. Uh, uh, unless they're getting Atlas, you're not going to see a big boom of JRPGs happen on the Xbox to notoriety. I mean, of course, plenty of them do show up there, but uh, they, they, they planned rather quietly on the Xbox side. So no, there's no real competition there. Western RPGs reign supreme on the Xbox right now, um, and JRPGs are an afterthought. Always a staunch supporter of the show, Mariano Pampa writes in. He gave me four questions, and I've answered a few of them already, but I like two of them that I'm going to pluck out here. One of them being, what do I want to see Xbox do with this new Bethesda acquisition? Much of that I have indeed already talked about, Mariano, but the bottom line, it comes down to I want to see Xbox allow Bethesda to make the games they want to make, offer lots of QA support, allow them to play around with their already established IPs, and more importantly, fund the games that maybe Bethesda couldn't have done before even though they enjoyed making them and it helped their creative process. My mind jumps to a Dishonored 3. Dishonored has an incredible following, but not the kind that you can stand a company on during a quarter. But now when you've got Microsoft's resources, get Dishonored 3 out there. Get that, that Outer Worlds-sized game out there. Put those kinds of games into Game Pass. Let those keep being made. Do you have something in the Doom universe that you want to do, but it but isn't big enough to be Doom 2021? Let that be the case. Let those things happen. I want to see a Rage 3 uh, enter in there, Dishonored 3 enter in there, and Those come to the forefront without sacrificing dev time or resources towards games like Starfield, towards the continued resurrection of Fallout 76. I want to see more consumer-friendly attitudes from Bethesda when it comes to the launches of their games, and I think Microsoft can bring that. In a world where Rage doesn't sell well and doesn't really light the world on fire, maybe you can't put Rage 3 out there without something like Game Pass. But with Game Pass, it's a very enticing proposition because it's just there. And we hear consistently and often that people see games in Game Pass and they try it for the first time and they maybe discover something new that they like. That's cool. That's even how I discovered Darksiders of all things. So I want to see those games come to the forefront. The other question you ask is, how do you see the growth of Game Pass going from here? Game Pass will continue to grow, but I think they do need to stabilize it and make sure that they're not paying out the wazoo for stuff that they don't own. A lot of people debated whether or not they would buy Game Pass day and date uh, with Cyberpunk 2077 uh, or with something like Gotham Knights down the line. I don't see those deals as as being wise. If you've got the medium... If you've got smaller, like AA games, that's fine to do. But don't keep or don't uh, count on them spending money for high profile AAA games outside of their now 23 studios to be day and date exclusives with Game Pass. Instead, allow the service to grow organically with stuff that you're making internally. Uh, Help indie devs or AA devs that are interested in being on Game Pass and save those marketing deal monies for Game Pass to just be marketing deals in general. It, again, I, I go back to this several times. I really am frustrated that they did not gobble up Gotham Knights and spend the money they needed to spend to get the marketing rights for Gotham Knights. That is a mistake to let Sony have Spider-Man and Batman. So spend monies there, allow Game Pass to grow organically, let xCloud be the catalyst for that growth in markets where you don't sell consoles regularly, And I I think what a lot of people are, are missing here with these Xbox Series S and Xs is that those are not the platform. Game Pass is the platform, and that's what they want to see grow. So to continue the migration of titles from other studios into that platform is a smart thing, and I hope it grows organically. I do not want it to get to PlayStation Now size where you have 800 games and there's no visibility for new games coming in. So, uh, Also, Mariano and anyone else, check out the Game Pass app. They've really retooled it since xCloud launched. It is fantastic. Shout out to that team. Alrighty, guys. I think that's going to do it. I have talked a lot this episode, and I so enjoyed doing so. It was a blast to be with you here in Episode 51. Quite a few of you stepped in to listen to Jeff Grubb on the last episode for Episode 50. That was a really great coincidence to get to have his voice On the show, and if you missed it, please do take a moment and go back listen to that interview. He dropped some bombs, including some Mass Effect news that was previously unknown, Uh, and he's got more up his sleeve. He's got more up his sleeve. I will tell you that respectfully. He let me in on a few things that were were just kind of a neat little go-tos for what's going to be coming up in the the gaming news rather over the next few months. Uh, Definitely one to follow is Jeff Grubb there. If you guys are so inclined, please take a moment on your PC and go to iTunes and leave a review, or if you have an iDevice, you can do it there. iTunes just seems to be the way that modest podcasts of this size really do rely a lot on those iTunes reviews. Of course, you can find XEP on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Player FM, and even Pandora. Yeah, that's weird, right? Pandora. We're over on Pandora. Neat. Neat. So uh, in, in the end, guys, it means the world that you do listen to this show. You can always tweet me at InsipidGhost. You can always find me via email, insipidghost at gmail.com. One day I'll get back to streaming. Until once my job uh, steadies out and I'm not streaming for my job, then I'll be more than happy to be back on my Twitch channel at InsipidGhost as well. That's it for me, guys. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Take care.